0: One of the big things we talked about today is zebra mussels. First to Manitoba Hydro because a number of their stations are being overrun by these things. They sent us pictures. You can take a look for yourself on Instagram at 680CJOB. And some big changes coming for boats in Riding Mountain. RCMP are looking for a couple of suspects who set a car on fire. In someone's driveway in St. Andrews, they tried to set two cars on fire, but they only succeeded with one. But still, how scary is that? And we had a good time discussing tedious tasks like cleaning out your digital cloud. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Tuesday, May 9th podcast for the start. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and sometimes, just to take you behind the quick curtain here, I'll see something crawl across the bottom of my screen, a piece of audio that somebody has added to the system, and I know exactly what that audio is, but I am curious to know why said audio has been procured. Mr. Greg, I gather you uh, have a certain classic film on your mind this
1: morning. I do. It's one of these kinds of mornings.
0: Boys, keep off the moors. Stick to the roads. The best of luck. Thanks again.
1: (laughs) That's from American Werewolf in London. The fog has rolled in, is a part of the landscape in southern Manitoba this morning. Our good friend Gary who sends us a picture every single morning when he's out for his walk. Very eerie sort of look. But whenever I see fog like this, Loren, I'm reminded of one of my favorite movies, American you... weref- Werewolf in <laughs> London.
2: Hit that clip again.
0: Okay. Boys,
2: keep off the moors. Stick to the roads. The best of luck. Yeah, I, I had Thanks nothing... again. I did not know what you were talking about. I didn't know where this was going. I haven't seen that movie.
1: Oh, Yeah. No, you must see it. Then you must. I
2: don't think I have, anyway. But I'm also terrible for just the recall on things. But as you played it, as you described it, I was I had nothing. So I think I have to go watch that.
1: I think it's is it 1982? Is that possible that it goes far that far back? 1981.
0: Yeah, it's funny because it's technically a horror sort of dark comedy yes but when i was a kid i did not see any of the comedy in that movie it scared the daylights out of me i had years for nightmares or nightmares for (laughs) years pardon me (laughs) that
2: it scared the words out of your mouth it really did i can't even
0: speak when i think
1: about it i'm so discombobulated how old were you when you saw it (sighs) too young
0: let's go with that i I think i was six or seven probably and it was i don't think it was a case of Uh, I don't don't know if I snuck in watching it or what, but uh, yeah, I was not old enough to watch that movie. That was the very first
1: movie we ever rented when we got our VHS player. Mm -hmm. And uh, my friend uh, Ted Patrica lives in Calgary. And whenever any reference comes up on Facebook to that movie or even comes close, he will remind me. About watching that movie and walking home, he said four weeks walking home after playing ball hockey or football, if it was dark, he was scared because of that movie. He was always looking around garages and looking behind bushes on his way home because of watching that movie. And we would have been, I think, in grade nine at that point when we saw it, grade eight or grade nine, so... Good, yeah. good memories of that of that movie, despite being uh, scared out of our uh, collective pants.
0: Yeah, it's uh, you know it's a classic, and it was a groundbreaking film in terms of special effects. The the werewolf transformation on screen it was the first of its kind, and the movie's director John Landis went on to use that same. Uh, a visual effect in the vi- music video for Michael Jackson's Thriller. That's right. Which yeah. he also directed. Yeah, David Wouldn't Naughton. it still
2: stand? Do you think, like, have you watched it since? I know those special effects might not, but I'm, I'm always curious about that. Just on the weekend with the boys, and I wasn't sure if this was the right call, but we watched Terminator 2. Oh, yeah! I was explaining to them, like, you have no idea. When this guy, like, was killed, the the, the bad Terminator, and melted, and then, like, his body came back together, it was mind blowing back mm-hmm, in, the, mm-hmm. in the early nineties, right? And so now you just wonder some of those things. And I we watched it again and for the most part it still was pretty incredible. There was maybe one thing where you thought, okay, that's cheesy in terms of the the effects. But I'm I always wonder when you go back because it felt so monumental to you at the time.
0: Yeah, you know what, I, I can't remember how recent, but it's been in recent years and the at these at least the initial part of the transformation when he turns into a werewolf for the first time it still holds because it's all practical effects so you can see his body transforming right in front of you i think maybe by the end there is sort of this jump where just suddenly he's this big hairy beast but the first like 30 seconds of it or so were incredible and i would yeah i would say they hold up against anything because it wasn't cgi so there i i like it Sometimes you got to stick with the classic special effect and not the visual. I'm putting it on CG. my list of uh, of movies to watch over the next couple
1: of weeks. I'm literally writing it down right now, so I don't forget.
0: Okay, I'll, and I'll endeavor to, to look up where you can find that. But you know what? On the subject, since I, after my little word whoopsie there where I said I've had years <laughs> for nightmares instead of nightmares for years, there was another word whoopsie that we just wanted to bring to your attention here uh, in ter- because it's, it, uh, it sounds like our friends Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth on Jets at Noon are looking to pick a fight, start a rivalry. This is what happened yesterday around 12.51. One. Chance of showers and risk of a thunderstorm
3: high of 20 and Wednesday, sunshine at 25. Plus uh, 11 right now at 680 CJOB.
4: Chats at oh, no. noon with Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth on 680 CJOB. In that weather,
3: I said plus 11. I'm going to get an angry email from Greg Mackling and Brett McGarry because I said plus 11.
0: You're not allowed to say plus 11?
3: They just have a very, they don't like it. Why? And what they, they make like? sure everybody knows that they don't like it. What I want just 11? They, they walk around throw their weight around in the, in the morning. Is it? I noticed it's that horrible a lot of time. And you say get in your face. You just say plus <laughs> yeah. in front of the number when you're reading the temperature. So you're just supposed to say eleven, and then if you're it's just supposed to just say 11, eleven according to them, you're supposed to say eleven. That's the best part. Is that CP Styles? Like style already, uh, I, mean, yeah. I got to bring my brass knuckles to work
0: tomorrow. That thing listening. does like I got to bring. See last week I got to walk this and said, good morning everybody's like coffee now. Okay.
1: Jesus. I was going to get one anyway. Don't drink coffee, Jim, but nice try. Weather elitists, I think, is what they were calling us in the back and forth. Uh, I'll thank my dad who was listening yesterday afternoon. I got a text message. Uh, Jim and Cam are going at you and Brett on Jets at Noon right now. I said, what about? He goes, something about the weather. I go, oh, somebody said plus. I knew right away.
2: <laughs> okay, what's the problem? <laughs> Explain to everybody else, what is the problem? You guys are serious about this. I mean, you're not we fighting. are. They're, no, no, you're not fighting per se, but your eyes will look at you with a death knell.
0: <laughs> it just gets to, a, there is a point where you don't need to say plus. Like we know the, when you say fi- 11 degrees, we know at this time of year that the temperature is in on the plus side. And, uh, you know, there's sort of there, there are certain times of year where it's is it is it when it's two, you could say, get away with saying plus two. But, you know, once you get to, like to five and above, uh, that's just how I was learning. You can drop the plus. It's well, quite-
1: you know, you might have an overnight low of minus three and a daytime high of two degrees. It's OK to say plus two. Jeff Braun says you never have to say the plus. Yeah. If you talk to Jeff Braun, it's minus fill in the blank degrees. It's zero. It's not zero that, degrees. I, I it's just that's zero. And yes. then it's one degree, two degrees, et cetera, et cetera. There's no plus ever needed, according to Jeff says, Braun, and Jeff Braun is, is the, the guru. Minus.
2: No, yeah. I think that's fair. When it's cold, you say minus. And when it's, uh, well, I mean, two is still cold, but you know what I mean.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, like for what you, Connor Hellebuck's goals against average, would you say it's plus two point whatever it is? No. <laughs> It's just whatever it is.
2: The number. I mean, I don't even remember to do the weather, so you shouldn't be, I shouldn't be part of this conversation at all. If Greg's not here, there is no weather. It doesn't exist.
0: This is the headline at CJOB.com. Manitoba RCMP seeks suspects after car set alight while St. Andrew's family slept this came to my attention just in one of my friends group chats and uh guy shares this post I'm not going to identify anybody because I don't know the people involved but he says this is uh this I saw this on Facebook it's a friend of a friend of a friend and in this post uh which has since been removed but in this post uh there are pictures and video of uh two guys basically setting, setting his cars on fire, Loren. It's insane. When I saw it, I thought, am I, is this a punk? Like, am I watching something that really happened?
2: Well, because of the deliberate nature of it, right? I think when this landed in all of our inboxes, you then shared it with us, and then the RCMP eventually put out a release. And I think it was a collective gasp because it's horrifying, the idea that someone would deliberately set your property on fire. And the, the intent, I mean, who knows? At this time, there's nothing to indicate that uh, it was targeted but again, still early on in the investigation. So we will continue to look at that. So that was the RCMP's Corporal Julie Crochet. And she says the family, the wife, the husband, the two kids, they were all asleep in their beds when they get this bang on the door from someone yelling that their car is on fire and they need to get out. That alert just happened to come from a couple passing by who noticed this car on fire. So they woke up the family and then the homeowner uh, of that Car and the neighbor, they drag the burning vehicle away from the house in order to keep other things from catching fire. So th- that's the good news. But when they go back to look at the surveillance video, the images that you referenced, Brett, they see two people getting out of a truck, pouring what appears to be, whether it's gas or whatever, it's an accelerant of some sort on both cars in the driveway, starting a fire on one and then leaving. So as we just shared, police at this time believe it was random. It's a scary situation. Very concerning um, for something like this to happen again. Quite unique. Um, haven't seen uh, something quite like this in, in, in some time. So again, just happy with the outcome. Happy that there were some people driving by that, um, you know, had the wherewithal to, to stop and ensure. Because I think sometimes we drive we drive by and say, oh, we just assume that, you know, people are out and they they're aware. But... Again, like to have them, you know, stop, alert the family and get the family out. I mean, they have small children too, and this is four in the morning.
1: The video's unsettling, jaw-dropping, lots of terminology could be used. And when you see that video, it's in full color. It's not in black and white. It's not pixelated. It's pretty clear. The images are very vivid. And when you see that, you know, it's one thing when it's somebody else's driveway, I can't imagine what it's like for these homeowners and everything else that they've gone through. I mean, when you're a victim of crime, it's unsettling to begin with, right? You come out to a smashed window or maybe your tire's been slashed. That's one thing. But when you can go back on your home security system and see the video of the individuals perpetrating it, it feels a little bit more real and, Brett, very personal, at that point in time, versus it feeling random, regardless of whether or not this was a random act, that's got to feel incredibly personal to the people that happened, whether they know the individuals that did
0: this to them or not. Yeah. yeah, indeed. And even if even when it is random, it still feels personal. I've had my car broken into once. It was, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago. I still was driving my my Ford Taurus and uh, one of the things that was broken in that, in that car was the coin tray. It wouldn't. It was one of those pop-out coin trays, and it wouldn't fully latch. Sure, sure. So I made the mistake of leaving some coins in it. It was honestly maybe $1.15 in nickels and dimes, and I was working downtown at the time, and I parked it on Hargrave, just uh, north of Portage, and I came out after my shift, and somebody had broken into my car to take said coins and I realized right away well okay lesson learned but it's still it just I felt the word that comes to mind is violated that somebody had not just smashed the window but had entered my my sort of automobile sanctuary to to raid it so to see your car on fire in front of your home where your family is trying to sleep (laughs) I don't even know what to think about that think
2: about what this could have done if you don't have two people driving by a car sets on fire, you know, you're not, you're not, you're dead asleep. We all know that at 4am and this is what's going on on your Monday morning. I mean, this is the, this to me feels, uh, almost like, you know, someone throws We don't do this in Canada, but it feels like it's it's a situation where there's a cocktail where you throw through someone's window to really get at them. This is this, this could have gone very, very wrong.
0: Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, today we want to discuss tedious tasks on The Shift. Handy Andy, regular guest and contributor to The Shift with Shane Hewitt. Handy Andy was talking about digital cleaning, and he brought this up. But
3: when you're talking about digital cleaning, we have to talk about our cloud storage as well. Like you were saying about iCloud, how they always want you to get more and more. Mm -hmm. We can go inside our clouds and clean up all those unnecessary videos or screenshots or pictures of receipts or just random stuff and make that room because otherwise if we don't do that they're just going to want us to get more and more cloud
0: storage and then they got us locked do you know how long that takes handy andy my gmail my google storage has been basically threatening me for a year you won't be able to send emails soon there was one point where i did get locked out and i had to sit down at the computer and start clearing things out but if i sat down at a computer every day for a year, for an hour a day, I would probably still barely scratch the surface. Like, I've, it's so tedious. I spent four hours doing it one day and barely regained. I thought, okay, I've done, I've, I've made some progress. I've, I regained one gigabyte of storage. So what is a tedious chore? You try to stay on top of, even though you hate it. Or a tedious chore that you kick down the road. Maybe you've kicked it so far down the road that you've just given up on ever even attempting to conquer it. Or conversely... Maybe there's a tedious chore that you like. Maybe it calms you down, gives you that moment of silence. Like once I finally do the dishes, I quite enjoy doing the dishes. It's usually like I'll let them sit for three days and go, Ugh, <laughs> I don't want to do them. But once I'm doing them, I enjoy it. So I don't know why I wait. Well, satisfaction to getting a job done like that is great. It's the
1: starting. That is often the pain in the backside.
0: Well, why don't we start with Cameron Poitras? Hello there, Cam. Well,
3: I'll I'll, I'll... Push away the email, and I'll do uh, photos on my phone. Um, that was one that has gotten horrendous in the past, and I have a WhatsApp with all my buddies and stuff like that. And WhatsApp will just and maybe there's a way to turn this off that I don't know how. Maybe someone's going to text the show to you know and, and and tell us there's a way to do it, but I I just haven't. So every single photo that gets sent in WhatsApp in any of my groups or anything like that gets automatically saved to my uh, to my um, uh, to my photos. And so I am diligently on top of deleting photos. I go through it once, w- once at least every two days, and I delete all the crap and stuff that I don't want on there. Uh, because uh, in the past, I've it's taken me days to go through all the stupid screenshots and photos and memes that are on my phone that I don't want on there anymore. Um, and so I'm I'm now very very very, very uh, diligent in in, in just getting rid of all the crap all the time, just so I avoid that. And I still have a bunch of nonsense on there, but it's not as bad as it used to be.
0: Good for you. Good for you. It's a pain, but it's got to be done. Uh, There's just too much digital noise to clean up. Loren, what about you?
2: You have five days until your password expires. You have four days until your <laughs> password expires. I've got that in my account right now. You have three days until... I, and I don't know why I don't just deal with it the first time the alert comes in. But it's partly because you know that you once you change it on your laptop and it changes on your phone and then sometimes it doesn't sync and then you change it at home and then you got to change it at work and it's supposed to all work together. But I don't know why. It just doesn't seem to jive for me. And I feel like there's a 24 hours after I change it where everything is just in flux and sometimes it just works perfectly and seamlessly. And I'm sure Sarah, our IT is listening right now. Like, Lorraine, you're an idiot, but I can't handle the password change in part because passwords are driving me nuts these days. Like I'm just, it's so done with passwords and I know there's apps for that, things that can help you out. And, but remembering them all makes me crazy. And then when you tell me I have to change it, I am, I, I literally give the computer this morning the middle finger i was like you <laughs> change it, yeah. I hate it you it's right another now.
3: chore loren like it's putting all your stuff much. into your passwords and stuff like i i'm i'm so sick of all these levels of authentication i understand there's you know the the it's security and the company's trying to protect itself i'm 100 percent understanding of that but it doesn't stop it from being a total pain in the butt
1: how about this extra level of frustration if that laptop doesn't come back into our VPN here at uh, 201 Portage. You have to remember two passwords mm-hmm. in order to get into your laptop. <laughs> your current one that you're using at work all the time and then the one that you were using previously because until that laptop hits our network, it doesn't recognize the new password and so you got to remember them both. Which is, I mean, it's difficult enough to remember the one you're using, <laughs> let alone the one I used for the last four months as well. Sends the code to my phone, put in my yeah. password,
3: send, the, put in the code, go through this, and then I have to have another app on my phone to authenticate it
0: onto another app. That at it's, it's annoying. Stop. Just it's stop. annoying. Next password is just going to be a sledgehammer. That's <laughs> oh, I,
2: I had a point there where my my password was a swear. Like it was so satisfying <laughs> just to type in the big <laughs> <laughs> every morning. <laughs>
0: Sarah McCarthy, what about you?
2: Well, I'm definitely with Loren. I'll be waiting till the final day possible to change my passwords as well. But mine's more of a classic chore. I'll do the laundry. It'll be clean, but it will sit clean for days. I do not put it away for days. I'll fold it, put it in a oh. laundry basket. It's like in my closet, but it just sits there. I don't know why. It would be so much easier if I could see everything, but meh. It's
0: clean. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I I used to be like that. I used to just pull the laundry out of the, put it in the basket and then I would just throw it on the couch beside me with the intention of then folding it. Sure. Mm -hmm. But inevitably I would just end up using said pile of laundry as a pillow. Yeah.
2: That works
0: too. <laughs> and then And then I'd fall
1: asleep on it. Perfect. Well we had that discussion at our house on Sunday. It was the uh it was the laundry basket audit in the family mm. room. Is this clean? Yeah, that one's clean. Yeah. Is this one clean? I'm not sure if that one's clean or not. I think <laughs> no. it needs to be folded. How about this one? I uh, smell it to be sure. I think oh, that no. one's dirty. Yeah. We've <laughs> all
2: socks. done it. Like, no. I have a sock bag with a hundred socks in it, and it's just making me nuts. <laughs> like, and you're know, clean socks, but then the sock bag just smells like dirty socks. It doesn't. I hate it. I hate the whole thing. Yeah.
0: Forte, what about you? Anything that has to do
1: with like seeing my financial planner because I swear he talks in a different
5: language and I have no idea like I', I go there talk to him when I leave I still don 't know what the hell just happened like it's just it goes right over my head so and also you know like what kind of bank accounts do you have or you know what kind of credit cards do you have it's just it goes right over
1: my
2: head and like you know I just try to avoid it as much as possible
0: two oh four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight the Tasks, the tedious tasks that you hate doing. Mackling, did you have one? Did we get to yours yet? Oh, I
1: got too many to list, but uh, we, we we sort of touched on it. But this uh, weekend is going to be the tedious one, and that's going to be vacuuming with the shop vac, the leftover leaves that have found themselves on my landscape rock. Mm. You can't rake it, so it's sort of stuck there. So you've got to vacuum it, and then those rocks are expensive. So you got to go into the shop back and then pick out the rocks and put them back in their place in the the rock garden. I got no time for that. (laughs) I don't either, but I'm going to be doing it anyway.
0: (laughs) Fun with that. The tedious tasks that you just don't like to do, even though you try to stay on top of them, or maybe there's another tedious task that you've straight up given up on, or maybe there's one you enjoy doing. Yesterday, we announced Menopause the Musical 2, Cruising Through the Change. Sunday, October 1st, Club Region Events Centre. Loren, remind us, how do we get tickets for that?
2: Okay, so tickets for Menopause the Musical 2 go on sale Thursday, May 11th. There's a pre-sale, though, tomorrow. The password for that is musical. As for today's announcement, Greg, what do we got?
1: Presley. Perkins, Lewis, and Cash, Miracles in Memphis. This takes place Thursday, October 5th, 2023, at 7 p.m., Club Region Event Center. And there's some interesting history here, Brett. Million Dollar Quartet is a recording of an impromptu jam session involving Elvis Presley, Jerry Lee Lewis, Carl Perkins, and, you guessed it, Johnny Cash. That was recorded December 4th, 1956, at the Sun Record Studios in Memphis, Tennessee. It went on to inspire a Broadway smash hit, And now... They're coming to Winnipeg.
0: Tickets go on sale Thursday, May 11th. Presale runs Wednesday, May 10th. The password is Memphis, but we do have a pair of tickets to give away at 9.15. And then for the rest of the week, they'll be giving away tickets for this show on the news with Rich and Julie. When zebra mussels were first detected in Manitoba 10 years ago, officials warned the damage they could cause. Not just to lake and aquatic life, but to infrastructure in and around it.
2: So just about 30 minutes ago, our next guest shared photos of how zebra mussels, which is an invasive aquatic species, have coated, and I mean, when I say coated, coated the walls and the pipes and the floor of some of its generating stations. So the pictures we're going to work to get up at CGOB.com, they were taken at Kettle Generating Station, that's near Gillum, and they show the zebra mussels in some spots several inches thick. We're joined now by Bruce Owen of Manitoba Hydro. Good morning.
5: Good morning. How are you?
2: I'm good. Well, I'm disturbed, to be quite frank, Bruce. When I saw the photos, it was kind of shocking. We know that this has been happening, but I I don't think I knew it was happening to this degree. So are you seeing this at more than one site, this level of invasion by these zebra mussels?
5: Yeah, we're seeing it at all our stations, six stations on the Nelson River. And uh, we're also seeing an indication of it at uh, Grand Rapids generating Station.
1: Bruce, it looks like an infestation, uh, to use another terminology. And as Loren mentioned, these photos that you sent us are are quite shocking. Unfortunately, you sort of knew this was coming. So what have you been doing to prepare for this? And what is the potential for damage uh, to the generating stations themselves if if these uh, zebra mussels are, are not removed or not removed in time?
5: Well, we first got an indication that they were moving out of Lake Winnipeg in, you know, 2019, and then in in the following year, we started saying, okay, they're getting a little worse. So we came up with a plan. We need federal and obviously provincial approval too, to use low-level chlorine treatment, which is injected into the station, into the intake pipes, and then the chlorine is removed on the other side, so it doesn't enter the water stream. And we have to do that. We've done that over the last few couple of years at our six stations on the Nelson River. Um, The water has to be about 17 degrees Celsius. So this treatment, you know, usually starts, uh, you know, July, August, uh, before the water starts getting colder in the fall.
0: One of the things we're talking about this morning, Bruce, is tedious chores. And just looking at these pictures that you've sent us, my goodness, what a tedious chore this must be to deal with this. How, how do you clean this up?
5: Scraping. Uh, that's what we've, uh, the cost of this, of the treatment of itself, is approximately, you know, $2 million uh, a year. It will increase slightly this year because we're adding Grand Rapids generating station for the first time. Also, with that, you know, you've seen the pictures, is that the maintenance um, of our own staff, uh, just having to scrape right and clean, um, it, it has increased over the last couple of years.
2: The way they cling to, you know, the, the cement or the metal or the pipe, Bruce, we were warned that that's how it would happen, but it comes in layers, right? And so if you don't scrape that off, it just gets thicker, thicker, thicker. So say you did nothing, what might happen?
5: It's the water that comes into the turbines to cool them. If if that, if you do nothing, right, it's like a tick on your car and you turn on the radio, turn up the radio and pretend it isn't there. If we pretended it wasn't there, there's a chance of a turbine or turbines overheating and we have to shut them down in order to uh, fix them. Water... The zebra mussels can also get into the intake pipes that we use for fire protection. Should a fire break out at a generating station and the water intake pipes are clogged and we can't put it out, that creates its own nightmare.
1: So Bruce, uh, the Nelson River power stations have been impacted. You're anticipating or are you anticipating this to, to strike other generating stations and
5: I guess they're here to stay, right? We haven't seen them on the Winnipeg River. There is an indication of uh, a couple of years ago in the Lake of the Woods, but we have not. We are, we've are we been monitoring um, for more than a decade uh, of all our stations, but we haven't had an indication yet on the Winnipeg River. On the Nelson, yes. And Grand Rapids, yes. So this process is treatment process. This will continue as long as the problem persists, and who knows how long that will be.
0: Well, we thank you for bringing this to our attention, Bruce. And we're going to get to work on getting those pictures shared. In the meantime, we uh, thank you for joining us, Bruce. Owen Manitoba Hydro, you're welcome. Thank you. When you forwarded these photos to us, Loren, I thought I was looking at a uh, painting or like some sort of apocalyptic movie set.
2: Well, I I had been out with Manitoba Hydro, I want to say back in 2014, 2015, when we first learned of these coming to Manitoba and getting into the water where they were just showing us, you know, one. I remember being at a, a station in Selkirk and there was one, one single muscle that they had cleaned off these, I think it was a turbine. And now when you fast forward 10 years and you see them there, like several inches thick, millions, what looks like millions of them. I think it, that's right. It's crazy. And so it's, of course, causing damage to the infrastructure at 837. What about our lakes? Riding Mountain National Park uh, wants to make sure they don't get that way in Clear Lake. And so they're changing rules for boats. We'll get into that just after the news at 830. <music>
0: All right, we have tickets to give away for the show that we just announced at 7.05. It is Presley, Perkins, Lewis & Cash, Miracles in Memphis coming to the Club Region Event Center Thursday, October 15th. And we're asking you this morning for a chance to win said tickets to tell us about a tedious task that you just, as much as you... No you got to do it like digital cleanup, cleaning out your cloud storage. It's a pain and you don't like doing it. Unless there is a tedious task that you do enjoy. Like Dan. Dan says folding towels.
1: Love folding towels. Give me a 10 15 minute uh, piece of trans uh, minutes of peace and trans- tranquility to do the one thing where I get to be uncharacteristically OCD. My wife always gives me the face. When I eagerly volunteer, just an opportunity to collect my thoughts went back and forth with Dan, and he confirms he folds the towels into thirds and always oriented the right way, so <laughs> with the seams and the tag and everything, it's just got to be just right.
2: Perfect. I uh, this is a fight in our house. I, fight's not the right word. Uh, one of us folds and one of us rolls the towels. You roll. And- Oh, no, I fold.
1: Oh, but do you fold? How do you fold? Half?
2: I, I half fold again? however I feel in the moment. Sometimes uh, it's in thirds. So there's sometimes no it's in system is there's what no you're system, saying. But <laughs> you should open our closet. It looks like the towel world just threw up in there because <laughs> none of them are the same. Yeah. Right? Like, so if, if my husband does one or I do one, it's just like, ah. Yeah. Are they fancy
0: rolls? Or no,
2: you... <laughs> they're rolled. They're rolled nicely. sir. they're rolled, but it's not like it's, it's not like he's at an all-inclusive making a swan out of the towel and leaving it in the closet.
1: Like... He would, but they don't stack very well that way.
2: <laughs> There's well, not enough room, I suppose.
0: A single female zebra mussel can produce up to one million eggs per year. So when even one is detected in a lake, you know there are going to be issues. That
1: reminds me of that advertising campaign about one drop of oil can contaminate a million litres of water. So the analogy and the and the math is similar here and devastating, Loren. According to the province, this invasive species can impact the fish population by consuming algae, which is the base of the aquatic food chain. They can filter the water, which allows more sunlight to penetrate deeper, changing the balance of a lake. And as we learned from Manitoba Hydro in our conversation at 7.07, they can cause big issues. Pictures up at CGOB.com show just how bad the problem is at some of their generating stations, McNabb.
2: Yeah, so we've been talking about this now in Manitoba for 10 years, and and pretty much throughout that time, there's been those signs you might see on the highway and around lakes that say, stop the spread of invasive species, those big red signs, and that's included mandatory decontamination for boats that might go from lake to lake. Well, starting this year at Clear Lake in Riding Mountain National Park, they're adding another layer of protection. We're joined now by Damien Wall, who's the External Relations Manager at Parks Canada. Good morning, Damien.
6: Good morning, Loren. Thanks for having me.
2: Uh, first question, Is are there zebra mussels in Clear Lake?
6: No, we can't say that there are zebra mussels in Clear Lake right now, but we also can't say that there aren't. We had some water samples taken and tests came back over the winter that indicated the presence of environmental DNA for those mussels. Uh, again, that's, that is a, a sign that we need to pay closer attention to what's actually going on in the lake, and that's what's led us to the uh, decisions that are being made today.
2: So the old rules were that I have a boat, I would go to Clear Lake if I wanted a boat. I would tell someone I had been in another body of water, so they would decontaminate that boat, and then I'd get a sticker. What's the change now?
6: So this year, we're increasing our uh, protection of the lake in a couple of ways. So there will be mandatory inspections and decontaminations for uh, self-propelled vessels, right? So your canoes, your kayaks, your stand-up paddle boards. We'll also be improving uh, our approach to the uh, some of the toys that come in uh, from other areas. But with regards to trailered vessels, uh, which is uh, probably the most significant change that we're going to see this year, if you have a trailered vessel and you only want to use it on Clear Lake this year, you'll have the opportunity to do That. In order to qualify for that, your vessel must not have been in any other water body in 2023, and you would have to undergo an initial inspection uh, before the 15th of of June.
1: So, if we're understanding this correctly, if you want to use a a boat on Clear Lake, that's the only place you can use it starting this summer?
6: Yeah, you got that right, and and that is an effort to uh, really reduce that uh, transmission. As as you noted, you know earlier in the program here, uh, the movement of uh, of uh, zebra mussels between water bodies is is a, is a big challenge, and and that's why we're doing that. So if you're going to if you choose to boat on Clear Lake this year, we welcome you to do that. You just have to abide by these uh, new these new guidelines.
0: So how will you enforce the new guidelines?
6: So we'll have staff uh, on site, uh, but even th- what they'll be doing is, is looking for a tag. So if you qualify for this program, if you get your inspection done and you haven't had your boat in any other waters, uh, after that initial inspection, park staff will basically affix a tag to your boat that attaches your boat to your trailer. And that's our guarantee that when you, when you come up to launch your boat uh, at Clear Lake, that your, your boat hasn't been in any other body of water that may contain zebra mussels. These tags are, are very similar and used quite widely uh, in the transportation industry, so that's the approach we're going to use.
2: Can you describe that tag to me a bit more, Damien, because I'm not sure I'm getting how I couldn't put it in another body. I, I understand also people need to be on an honour system of some sort, but how does it stop me from putting that boat in another lake?
6: Yeah, so they're tamper-proof uh tags Lorraine. What happens is it's uh it's like a, a metal cable that would loop through attaching your boat set uh, one part of your boat to the trailer and then we affix a metal plate to that uh to that that's that cable. If that cable is cut or tampered with, it frays, it is impossible to uh put back together. So if if that tag is broken and people come to the uh, to launch at Clear Lake, we're, we're not, uh, satisfied that that vessel hasn't necessarily been in another water body and you would not be allowed to launch.
1: So you're essentially, you're essentially locking that, uh, trailer into that boat and vice versa. And the only way that you can release that is with somebody at Clear Lake. Am I getting that right?
6: Yeah, that's right. So, uh, we'll be working with, you know, or the, uh, uh, people out at Kisikun and Nojibwe First Nation who hold fishing rights to clear lake too. This is a step to protect that resource. Uh, but what happens is you show up, we cut the tag, you go off, have your day on the lake, spend your time out there with your family, having fun. Then when you come back in off the lake, we will put a new tag on that vessel.
2: Why wasn't just getting the boaters to decontaminate enough? Because this is a pro- new process for Riding Mountain, and so I appreciate that. But there's other lakes who uh, you might have to just get decontaminated, or it was the honor system. So w- w- was this a, a noticeable, we must do this or else we're in trouble situation?
6: We considered a lot of options here, and certainly this approach is one that we feel balances the ability of people to still use that lake but provide a high level of uh, protection for, for the long term health of Clear Lake.
2: What do you say to those, Damien? Because, because you know, I've seen on social media, I have two questions here. One, the pushback of, hey, you know, it's my summers are short, it's my. Uh, you know, $20,000, $30,000 boat that I've invested in or whatever, $3,000 boat, and I should be able to take it where I want as long as I spray it down. What do you say to that boat owner?
6: Yeah, certainly, I, I you know, we, we understand that this is going to have an impact for people. Um, what we've seen over the, the last several years is an increase in the complexity of some of the boats. And with that complexity, uh, such as internal ballasts, it becomes increasingly difficult, if not impossible, to to properly and thoroughly decontaminate all of those vessels. So, what we've done is added this extra layer of protection, uh, as uh, you know, as as our best effort to balance the, the the desires of people to still use the lake, and they'll still have that opportunity, but we also have to think about
0: this in the long term as well. Our guest, oh sorry, go either end.
2: I just wanted to jump in, and we're talking to Damien Wall, who's with Parks Canada about changes to their boating rules there that will basically mean if you want a boat on Clear Lake, that's the only lake you can go on this year. And I, I've made, a, I haven't hidden how much I love that lake, Damien. I get up there as much as I can in the summer. And so I, I get, I get the need to protect it. I also know that when I think of other national parks, I don't see boats on a lot of lakes in other national parks. So there might be some who think, is this part of a longer plan to eventually just, um, remove boats from the lake period?
6: So yeah, uh, glad you enjoy the place, Loren. You're like uh, thousands of uh, other Manitobans and Canadians who who really value uh, Clear Lake, and, and we know that. Uh, in uh, under the Canada National Parks Act, actually, uh, motorized vessels are not allowed in national parks. It's only through uh, an order of the superintendent uh, at some parks that allows those vessels to uh, to operate on the lakes at all.
0: One final question here, Damien, and whereas Loren loves the region, I've never visited the region, so forgive my ignorance on this question, but are there only like a a handful of spots where one could possibly launch a boat at Clear Lake, or is there a risk of somebody trying to sneak one in?
6: But well, we're going to be paying attention for that. Like there, there, there may be some risk to that, but we're doing everything we can to, to minimize that. And for uh, 2023, uh, boat launches will happen at one location on Clear Lake, and that, uh, that is Boat Cove. Uh, so anybody who wants to launch uh, and who qualifies for this program will, will have to do so at that location.
0: All right, Damien Wall, External Relations Manager, Parks Canada. Thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate the time. Always a pleasure. First visit to Clear Lake, by the way, will be this summer. Very excited.
2: You will never come back. You will say to yourself, "I shall live here forever." <laughs> it's so great, and I and I look forward to getting up there. I, I am, I am uh, I'm glad you cleared up that question, Greg. I was genuinely curious about how you enforce this, but, but basically, your boat will stay attached to your trailer unless someone helps you out.
1: Well, I mean... uh, Or you cut it. Exactly. And so, you know, one of our listeners saying, well, they're going to turn off some campers here that, you know, don't have a cottage in that part of the province. Well... Sounds like they don't really care about that. the The lake is a lot more precious than the access to it. And you clarified the fact that it's pretty unusual for there to be boats on a lake in a national park in the first place. So this is a precious resource, one that uh, we're getting a special opportunity, in my mind, to use. And so we have to treat it uh, with an abundance of care. and And we can. Uh, I'm going to approach it this way. We've known for years about the spread, the potential spread of zebra mussels from Ontario into Manitoba. And let's assume that everybody did everything that they were supposed to do over the last several years. It didn't stop. It didn't stop the zebra mussels from moving from Ontario lakes into lakes and waterways in Manitoba. So you got to step it up. If you're, if you're dedicated and you're committed to making sure that clear Lake remains zebra mussel free, this is their, this is sort of their only option.
2: One of our listeners saying, you know, this is an interesting conversation. As president of a fishing club 20 years ago, we had conservation out for a meeting. No one wanted to do anything about it then. And now they're backtracking and dealing with a much more serious problem. Funny how that works. I, I don't know. Tell us, if you're a boater, how do you feel about the idea that you'd be potentially limited to just one Lake, 780
0: And if you've never seen zebra mussels in action and the kind of problem they can present, go to our Instagram at 680CJOB. We've shared the pictures from the kettle genera- generating station that Manitoba Hydro sent us. It's staggering. It, it almost de- just defies logic. If you've never seen anything like it, you'll just be wondering how the heck does something like this happen? But again, as we said off the top, one female zebra mussel can produce a million Eggs in one year. I think I just said CJ O'Blee. So that's two today. Earlier I said, I've had uh, years for nightmares instead of nightmares (laughs) for years.
2: That was at six in the morning, though. That can be forgiven.
0: And uh, CJ Oblee, I think I combined B with leaf blower because <laughs> th- we got some We were talking about leaf blowers a moment ago. That makes complete sense, actually. <laughs> and Debbie, as I was just scrolling down, looking at our her script here, seeing Debbie has a take on the leaf blower.
1: Yes, yeah, so Debbie says this. My take on the leaf blower is, it's great in all seasons. I hate shoveling snow off my car and my deck. So I get the kids to blow off my car and the deck. We have it in the house so they can take it out with them and and clean the deck and stairs before I proceed to my car. They love it, think it's hilarious and fun. Also, it saves me time in the morning. Win for all. Well, I say to Debbie, Neighbors without leaf blowers hate neighbors with leaf blowers. And, Loren, do you see the text here from Transcona Liz?
2: Listen, M3, I have two neighbors with leaf blowers. Between the two of them, an entire Sunday afternoon can be ruined by the sound of these roaring machines. I hate leaf blowers. Oh. I never thought about the blowing the snow off. That's smart. I don't think it'd be appreciated at 3.45 a.m. Like, meh. <laughs> but I would do it.
0: I had a neighbor who, he, he was so diligent with his front sidewalk in the snow, all he ever needed to use was a broom. Nice. He was on top of it. Constantly retired. Oh yeah, yeah. He and his wife were uh, they they were in their eighties, if not nineties. So they were they were then they were just constantly active to remain active, to mm-hmm. the point where actually when the Google Street View thing uh, went by, because I when, this is at my na- my buddy's place, so it was his house on Ravelston Avenue West, just off of Plessy's, and I lived there, moved in with him, and uh, when the Google Street View came by it captured a picture of the neighbor, the wife next door, in his garden. So she was tending to my buddy's garden just because. Wow. Just for fun.
1: I have a, I have a neighbor who, like, the, her, I, th- I would say her driveway is cleaner in the winter than it is in the summer. Like, it's that good. And she sweeps and cleans the curbs about a foot off the curb, two feet into the road, and she's on a corner lot. It's, it's quite impressive,
0: yeah? actually. Yeah? Yeah, I salute her. So not everybody thinks these chores are tedious, but we're asking you at 204-780-6868 to tell us about the tedious chores that you know you should stay on top of, but you just really don't want to for a chance to win some tickets for Presley, Perkins, Lewins, and Cash, Miracles in Memphis, Thursday, October 5th, Club Bridget Event Center. We're going to pick our winner in our next segment. But right now... We want to discuss, well, hey, yesterday morning, we caught up with Winnipeg Ice head coach James Practice to help get you set up for the WHL Championship Series.
2: This is so exciting, I think, for Winnipeg because we need to have some championship hockey to talk about. And so as we get ready for the series, we asked the coach a question about, we weren't sure who they were going to play, but uh, he was pretty firm about where they'd play. Our rink
5: is, is unique compared to other rinks. Um, our rink is eight feet wider. You know, for the most part, that's, that does give us an advantage throughout the regular season because we're a mature team and we're a fast team. Whoever we're going to play in the finals, you can say the same thing about.
2: So we now know the ice will face the Seattle Thunderbirds for the right to advance to the Memorial Cup in Kamloops. The T-Birds claimed their second consecutive Western Conference Championship last night with that 4-2 win over the Kamloops Blazers. However,
1: Brian Munns, Winnipeg Ice, big announcement late yesterday afternoon as we were talking to James Patrick on the start yesterday. We were talking about Games 1 and 2 going Friday, Saturday at the Ice Cave, University of Manitoba, Wayne Fleming Arena. Then I get an email.
4: I'm happy you're still reading my emails. Uh, Yeah, we're excited about the opportunity, obviously, to come downtown True North Sports and Entertainment have opened the doors to Canada Life Centre and we'll see the Western Hockey League Championship Series presented by Nutrien coming up Friday and Saturday, Games 1 and 2 in downtown Winnipeg. So this is uh, great for everybody involved and looking forward to a huge crowd inside Canada Life Centre.
1: James uh, was telling us yesterday that he felt his building and, and, and your building, you know, a little bit wider mm-hmm. ice surface, a unique setup, may be intimidating for other teams coming in, but this could be intimidating in a whole other way. Well, there's no question that the
4: ice cave inside Wayne Fleming Arena is unique with the width of the ice and everybody is right on top of you. But to have an opportunity to come into an NHL rink, I know in talking to a number of the players, they're so excited about it and You look at all the draft-eligible players and those that have been drafted by the ice already, and then the roster that uh, Seattle is loaded up with here, including Jets' first-round pick, Brad Lambert. This should be a heck of a weekend coming up. Friday at 7, and then Saturday night at 6, two great fan-friendly times to uh, get everybody out. So we're hoping for a huge crowd.
1: Lower bowl capacity, about 8,800. That would be something else to to get that filled.
4: Yeah, you know what? Let's get 8,800. Let's get more, right? Like, you look at all the talent that is coming into this series between these two teams – this time of the year, you're not going to get a better matchup on the ice. Uh, so this this is fun for everybody and a big week ahead of us now as we look forward to the
1: ice and the Thunderbirds. So games one and two here in Winnipeg, games three, four, and five will be in Seattle because of the extensive travel instead of the traditional Two home games, two road games, one, one, one back and forth because of the distance between Winnipeg and Seattle. They will do two home games, then they'll go on the road for three, and then games six and seven here in Winnipeg if necessary. And as Brian mentioned, Winnipeg Jets fans will get a sneak peek at Jets 2022 first round draft choice. Big bad Brad Lambert. Lambert has three goals, 17 assists in 12 playoff games with Seattle. Tickets go on sale at noon today for those games, Friday at 7, Saturday at 6 o'clock.
0: Exciting times for the Winnipeg Ice. In the meantime, before we check your forecast here, Loren, I don't know if you've got global television on right now, but they just showed a real-life Michael Scott GPS moment. (laughs) <laughs> the headline on uh, the morning show was tourist follows because I saw Greg point and laugh at the TV behind me. Tourist follows GPS into Hawaii Harbor. Thinking, was that Did I just see a woman basically drive her yes. Dodge Caravan into the straight into the yes, water?
1: They were asking her about what are you doing? The GPS told me to go. This is where I was supposed to go. Just Come on. like was it, it Dwight this, and this, Michael
2: that went right into yes. the lake? And it says it's telling me to turn light. Do not turn right, Michael. Do not turn right. And then he drives right into the water. This is ridiculous. I thought that moment in the office was ridiculous. It's one of those things where I thought, "Come on."
0: Technology is flawless, Loren. We all know this. Yeah, there are people swimming out to pull her out of this van, and they're getting the. You see ropes flying in from the side. What?
2: Ugh. I don't even know what what, what. Like what. I'm watching this now. I'm trying to figure out what would what were you thinking was happening? Well, there's a
1: hidden bridge there, maybe. <laughs> Just, under oh, the yes. It's like Indiana under the Jones in The Last
0: Crusade. You just got to take a leap of faith. That's right. If the map
2: says go, you got to go. <laughs> She's also just sitting there smiling and nobody's getting out of the car to try to, like, remedy the situation. Now some guy's swimming to them. They're slowly sinking in. Oh, now they're getting out because they have to save themselves. This, this, does this van go right under?
0: I didn't say they cut the
2: video off. I haven't off. seen, I haven't the, seen it, it to, the to the its whole ultimate thing. conclusion. I was
1: too busy laughing.
2: People <laughs> helping them out, and they're just sitting there waiting for them to come to them. Like, get out of the van! We're going down!
0: <laughs> it is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We're talking this morning about tedious chores that you know you've got to stay on top of, but you don't want to. We're, and this was inspired by a conversation about... Digital cleanup on The Shift overnight, our overnight show with Shane Hewitt and the weekly guest Handy Andy was talking about digital cleanup. And there are so many aspects of that alone in our lives, but one of them is your cloud. So if you have digital storage, whether it's Google or Apple, you and you're running out of storage, the, you could buy more or you can just go in and clean it up. The easier way to do it is just buy more, but that costs more money. If you do go in and clean it up, uh, take it from me. It sucks. It's it's boring. It takes a long time, and you get almost nowhere, even after several hours. You got. I really- have. Go ahead, Loren.
2: I was just gonna say I have had to a couple times in the last month because I let it get to the brink, like <laughs> to the edge go. of maximum storage. Well, the phone doesn't work. Like it just shuts down. It just my phone just eventually <laughs> says I give up. And I have to quickly like sense that it's about to do this and rush in and delete a bunch of photos. And the WhatsApp stuff is crazy in terms of it, as Cam pointed out, often the photo will just save to your photo album as well. So it's in both your text chain and that and oh. It is, it's exhausting. I have to go in and delete all my conversations. I don't even look at the photos. I just delete all the conversations and think to myself, I'm sure it's fine.
1: Yeah, it was an e-transfer that was trying to get into my Hotmail account. Oh, no. Somebody said, did you get it? No, didn't get it. Did you get it today? No, didn't get it. I need it like yesterday. <laughs> please, please text it to me. And it turned out it was my Hotmail was absolutely full. And I spent two hours and I think I created four gigabytes worth of space and how much do you have like 300 i think it's only 15 for me oh whatever it is i only managed to create four gigabytes worth of space so i'm prepared to get that message any day now
0: so we've been asking you to tell us about the tedious chores and i think we'll just jump straight to our winner here clint who says we have a granite driveway quite long every winter when we push snow with the quad and the blade we're also pushing granite and snow all over the grass so this weekend i spent sitting on the grass and using the shop vac sucking up all the granite into the vacuum then taking the vacuum and dumping it over a screen to save all the granite and get rid of all the grass and then pour all the granite back onto the driveway i got halfway done my neighbor comes over and says what are you doing this is like the hardest way here here i got a power raker it works perfect so then I spent the rest of the day working this amazing machine, this power rake, or pushing all the rock into one little pile. It was so much quicker done the next day, and we had a good laugh with the neighbors about me being out there, sitting on my lawn, vacuuming it. So, Clint, the prospector, as Loren put it earlier, congratulations. See, technology wins every time. I like the, I like the, the crafty solution that he came up with. I know it was tedious, but it's pretty ingenious no question and that's commitment to so having a great looking yard
2: yeah and driveway and yard and driveway now i'm sl- slipping words like uh <laughs> blurry bl- brett brettly
0: <laughs> like brettly t <tea>, so congratulations <laughs> To you, Clint, you win the tickets for (laughs) Presley, Perkins, Lewis & Cash, Miracles in Memphis, Thursday, October 5th, Club Region Event Centre. We just announced it this morning. Tickets go on sale Thursday, pre-sale tomorrow. The password is Memphis. (music) Yesterday, we were discussing vocations which traditionally attract men and what needs to happen in order to change that. Dennis is the Executive Director of the Manitoba Automotive Trades Association and joins us now live. Dennis, good morning to you. Good morning. So before we get into this here, uh, what specific trades within the automotive sector does your association represent? So the
7: Automotive Trades Association represents collision repair and glass repair shops in Manitoba. And specific trades are collision repair tech and automotive refinisher. That's the Red Seal trades that we represent.
1: And where do you get your education for that, Dennis? Is it is it a mixture of a vocational institute and experience uh, at a at, at a shop? How, how do you uh, get break into that business?
7: I guess there's multiple paths uh, for entry into the trade. Uh, there are high schools in the province that offer an entry program. For instance, Steinbeck, uh, Crocus, Plains, and Brandon has one. Uh, there's, I think, three schools in Winnipeg that offer a program for high school students. If you don't enter it through high school, Red River Polytech has a, uh, a first-year program, a 10-month course to enter the trade. And even uh, without following the education path, there is direct entry. Um, there are shops that if you express an interest in entering the trade, they would take you on as an apprentice and teach you the trade, and you can uh, earn while you learn.
2: So, you know, when we're talking about this industry, I, I, before we get into what your plan might be to attract, you know, more youth to this trade, I'm just curious, what are you seeing out there for shortages? I have a friend who uh, works in this industry, and, and it's really hard right now to to find uh, good, well-trained mechanics to bring in uh, just because of shortages.
7: I think like all trades, uh, we're experiencing a shortage of technicians. Mm-hmm. Um Right now, we've identified already, uh, just interviewing, we got 55 shops that have responded to us. We've identified 170 job openings in our industry. My best guess right now is there's probably uh, 250, 300 job openings in the industry in Manitoba.
1: So you reached out yesterday, uh, yesterday, Dennis, to tell us that you're embarking on this effort to attract youth to these trades. What's your plan? How are you going to go about that?
7: Well, we're at the beginning stages of this right now. Initially, we're launching a career outreach uh, where we would have, uh, for instance, a collision center. We've got two going this week, one in Verdon, one in St. Claude, Manitoba. We're attending high school career days. We have a virtual reality spray booth where you put on a virtual reality goggles and you can step into a spray booth, see what it's like to paint a car. Um, so, you know, we just want to create awareness um, with the young people that the, uh, the trade is cool and it's interesting and maybe it's a potential career path. And then following that, we're working on a marketing campaign, um, you know, via the digital media sources, YouTube, TikTok and etc., where we create awareness with the young people and their parents uh, to get people on board that it is a good trade to enter.
0: Now are there any barriers that are preventing uh, women from from looking into this as a career path or is it uh, you know is it just a lack of interest or maybe a combination of both
7: um, i it's uh, a lack of awareness i think is probably the most the, uh, most prevalent factor uh, there's no barriers uh, stopping young women from entering the trade We just need to create awareness that there are jobs available we're open to young men and women. I think we look at someone, we have an ambassador in the industry, uh, young Ashley Weber, um, entered the industry. She won the National Skills Competition for Canada, uh, competed at the World's Competition in Abu Dhabi, and just recently won three awards for her car in the Autorama Show. And uh, that kind of exposure can show young women that it is a trade that's open to women.
2: She's a a Red River College graduate, yes? Yes.
7: I believe so, yes.
2: Yeah. So, you know, what I think is neat about that is it's, it's all about representation. You, you might copy what you see. And so growing up, it might have been my dad who was uh, repairing the car. And even in my own house, it's my husband who does a lot of that. And so if I had girls, they might not see me doing those things and therefore not be aware of it. And so you mentioned parents, not just talking to youth, but talking to parents, because it's about that education. We're the ones that often go to our kids and say, what do you want to be when you grow up? How are you going to get there? And so we kind of need to have that uh, knowledge too.
7: You do and you need to know that it is it's a solid career path that the the financial rewards are there. A, a skilled technician can easily uh, earn over a hundred thousand dollars a year in this trade. It's a safe trade, it's a clean trade now, um and we need to let the parents know that so that when their if their son or daughter expresses an interest in our trade that they understand that it is a solid career path for their for their child.
1: Dennis, you mentioned it's a clean trade. Is, is that part of the potentially some of the perception in terms of uh, maybe parents not nudging their kids down that path or encouraging them to investigate it? Is that maybe in years past there was a, a connotation surrounding uh, body shops and, and being a body guy or being a body person?
7: I think that that image is decades old, and uh, there's been significant effort over the last number of decades to change the image. I think if you walk into a modern shop, uh, you'll see that it's not maybe what you were expecting. Uh, It is a clean environment now. It is a safe environment. It is a high-tech environment. It's not the image from 30, 40 years ago.
2: And if we can, I mean, sometimes money does talk. So what would the starting wage be? How could that career expand from, say, if I f- finish the college program, get into a shop, where would it go?
7: Well, there's an apprenticeship program, for instance, on the collision repair side. It's a four-year apprenticeship. Uh, the apprenticeship program sets out a minimum wage guidelines. That's a percentage of minimum wage. So, for instance, and, and I find that most shops are paying in excess of that anyway, But, uh, you know, a second year apprentice might be earning minimum wage plus 50 percent, for instance.
0: Well, in all you really like when you talk about jobs and and different job paths, like all you got to do is just, you know, when you're sitting in a car dealership or navigating the time that one spends in a car dealership waiting for your your car to be repaired. It's like, you know, its own little sort of. I'm not sure what the the word, but it's it's like its own little economy of of, of so many different people doing different trades, jobs, or different customer service jobs. Uh, just the dealership I, I go to alone, I bet you there are two, three hundred people working in that building at any given time, maybe more.
7: Uh, correct. I, the the job opportunities in in the automotive industry are not just the guys turning a wrench or painting a car. Um, there's estimating there's uh, customer service there's uh the research side there's parts people uh, there's a number of job paths in the automotive industry beyond the red seal technicians
1: so if we've got young people listening right now and and maybe they've caught some of our conversation but they maybe they want to talk to someone or or con- connect with someone and get a maybe a plan on on how to get into this industry how do they reach out who do they connect with Dennis
7: well, there's a couple of paths. The Automotive Trades Association is happy uh, to, to receive contact. Uh, they can reach out to me directly. Um, the Automotive Trades Association, atamb.ca, is our website. There's also the Motor Vehicle Industries of Manitoba, uh, which is a scholarship program uh, for young men and women entering the trade. And they have a website as well, M-B-I-M.ca. Uh Both of these paths can offer student- young people more information on pursuing a career in the automotive industry.
0: All right, Dennis Cloutier, Executive Director of the Manitoba Automotive Trades Association. Thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate this. Thank you for your time and thank you for having us on. We appreciate
1: you listening as well, Dennis, because it was you that reached out while you were listening to uh, Jim Toth's program yesterday. So we we immensely uh, appreciate that and the idea uh, of our listeners once again reaching out to us and creating not only terrific conversation, but just this is something that, wasn't even on the radar uh, for me I didn't realize there would be a shortage I guess I should have realized Loren that there'd be a shortage there's a shortage everywhere uh, but I mean this is an art form in my mind and so uh, anybody who goes down this path has my utmost respect anybody that can do beautiful body work on a vehicle my goodness that is that is that is sweet work
2: I just think you know at the end of the day as well, you mentioned its own little economy, Brett. It's also a skill. You're just going to think about the number of times you take your car to a shop and then you don't know what's wrong with it and you take it in. If you could just cut that out by 10%, 15% if you had some of these skills to do it at home. I, mm. I, I have a friend who's a mechanic and neighbor and uh, man, the number of times I'm like, hey, sorry, just... uh you can come over here for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like mechanics, massage therapists, and like accountants must get a lot of annoying questions from friends.
0: Oh, for sure, for sure. And but if they're willing to to capitalize on that, I had a Wouldn't I? I mentioned it earlier. The Taurus, which uh, my friends and I lovingly referred to as the Mighty Taurus because it was not mighty. It was a piece of crap that needed constant work. But uh, I found a, na- one of, I, I, it was one of those, hey, I know a guy situations. I found a neighborhood mechanic who could do the work just as well, but significantly cheaper because he was, you know, he was doing it out of his garage and not out of the shop. So I wasn't paying the larger lo- labor costs. But uh, yeah, he took care of my car for years before it ultimately retired itself. Mm-hmm. Um so I I, and I don't know if he, I, the one thing I wonder is is he still able to do those jobs because all the cars are also computerized now. So hopefully the neighborhood mechanic has not yet gone the way of the dodo bird. Yeah, he's still you know when it comes to brakes and oil changes mm-hmm. and there's still components where
1: you know the backyard guy or the or the industrious guy that works ten eleven hours at the shop and then comes home and does the side job as the side hustle. There's lots of opportunities there still. So. Yeah, if you if you know somebody that can do that stuff, oh,
2: I need a side hustle worth the weight of gold. I gotta get a side hustle going. Yeah, you what have time I, for that. I do. Like <laughs> have got so do. much time.
0: Yeah, you, something I don't have any you can skills. do. While you're I have supposed zero applicable
2: skills. Like, what what am I going to side hustle? Hey, I can call you up and talk to you. That's my side hustle.
0: Here's what you do. You start a YouTube channel of you sitting on the porch with the Basset Hound. There it is. And just judge, you know, pick a topic and then judge it for five minutes.
2: Uh, Side hustle. Give me your ideas. (laughs)
0: Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we say hello to once again filling in for Hal Anderson on and Connecting Winnipeg. KK, Kathy Kennedy. Hi, KK.
8: Good morning. Hey Loren, uh if if you figure out a side hustle, pass it this way, yeah. eh? <laughs>
2: <laughs> just give me you and I on the street this is what it's going to end up being Kathy we'll be holding okay. those signs that like direct people into like come to the car wash and we'll be shaking those <laughs> that's that's my skill that's where my skill level is or so we can like those blow up balloons you're
1: prepared you know? to take money out of the pockets of high school students so that you can start a <laughs> side hustle
2: washing right. cars yeah you heard me right wow. they're not working anyway apparently okay. otherwise there wouldn't be all these job shortages I'm, so. I'm learning weird. a
1: lot about you this morning McNabb can, can a, you wouldn't involve there. yourself in such a scheme, would you?
8: Well, it, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank you. I will get our business cards made shortly. Okay, please come up with a clever, clever name. Okay. I'm on it. I, I love
8: it. I love it. I love it. Uh, <laughs> listen, speaking of water, <laughs> how's that for a segue? Uh, we're going to continue our uh, chat this morning about zebra mussels. Jerry Kruchek, who is the president of Fish Futures, Uh, Fish Futures is an organization which is all about protecting and preserving Manitoba's freshwater fishery. Uh, He's going to be joining me just after 10.30. We'll talk about uh, what he has seen. He does a lot of boating, does a lot of uh, tournaments. We'll find out just how bad the problem really is in our province and what he's been hearing from other fishermen and women. Uh, We'll also talk to uh, Taz Stewart. Razma Taz, it is uh, tick season. Tis the season for ticks, so uh, Taz will give us some tips on how we can keep our pets safe and keep our persons safe, as well as the kids, of course. Hey, there's a uh, if you're a lover of antique and classic cars, there's an event happening this weekend at Red River Exhibition Park that you will want to know about. It is a huge swap meet. Uh, taking place out at uh, Red River Exit Grounds. And we'll uh, talk to Gordon Brunette from the Manitoba Classic and Antique Auto Club about that. And we'll talk to the new president of the University of Manitoba Students' Union, uh, just, in fact, um, took over the job, I think a week or so ago, Tracy Carahugo. And we'll find out what is on the minds of students as uh, we head into the fall of uh, 2023. Yes, I said fall. It's just around the corner. (laughs) Calm down. You (laughs) You know what? It's not even summer.
2: Side hustle. You're fired. Not even gonna get on my business cards.
8: (laughs) (laughs) I was just thinking. You know, I was having this visual, Loren, of you and I. You know, you've seen those commercials where the guys they're flipping the signs around. They can do the magic with the signs. Like you and I, we would rock that.
2: Right? Like we could choreographic, we could have a whole totally. routine, we could have out- matching outfits, we could bedazzle Ooh, them.
1: 90 yeah. seconds we them. saw the birth and death of a business idea. <laughs> 90 seconds. <laughs> 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 it wasn't a very
3: good one
2: to begin with. I'll well, try again no. tomorrow, Okay, Kate? Okay. okay, sounds good.
0: Kathy Kennedy's on Connecting Winnipeg from 10 until 12, followed by Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth. Hopefully they brought their brass knucks to defend themselves after the gong show yesterday at 1251 in the audio vault at cjob.com. Uh, then it's the Jim Till Show from 1 until 3, the news with Rich and Julie, 3 to 6, and the sports show with Christian O'Mell, 630 to 9. Mackling, McGarry, McNabb, and 4J and Master Control, we all say thank you for listening to The Start on 680
2: CJOB. Sarah McCarthy has your latest headlines and global news at 10.